0: You're listening to the Hybrid Cloud Forecast series with host Andre Tost.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Hybrid Cloud Forecast. Today we will talk about platform thinking and and my guest today is Mike Kasmarski. He's an IBM fellow as everyone else on this podcast as you probably know by now. Um, and for full disclosure, I work with Mike on a daily basis, we're very close colleagues. So I know, I know a lot about what he does, but obviously you don't. So I'm at, we're, we're going to start out by kind of asking Mike about his background and, and then lead into what he's doing today, how that relates to hybrid cloud and so forth. So welcome, Mike. Thanks a lot for coming today.
0: Thanks, Andre. Excited to be here.
1: All right. So let's start right there. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. You know, what made you what you are today?
0: Uh, Well, it feels like I've worked for IBM since middle school, but uh, I'm sure it hasn't been that long.
1: I started out
0: out of college, although I worked for a couple small computer companies when I was in college, and I worked uh, started out in IT, you know, making sure that systems were up and operational. Was mainframes in those days primarily? But I had a yearning really to go into deeper development and programming. I wanted to develop products. I wanted to ship products to customers. I wanted to interact with customers, and that's what I had done a lot in my previous uh, stints with those smaller companies. So I went to work. For the storage programming center in those days in the storage organization and uh, within a few years i was heavily involved in bringing um, some of the spectrum storage products spectrum protect in particular out of research where i worked with a team in, in almaden who Developed a skeleton for it, and then we had a lot of function and feature and then helped to transition it into development, into a product state. It's also heavily involved in acquisitions of some of the storage products that later became spectrum control. And of course, as I became more involved with each of these storage products, uh, became more exposed to the applications running on top of these products uh, and worked a lot with customers to make sure that what we were doing with the products was matching the kinds of non-functional and functional requirements uh, that they had with their applications. But I like to learn new things. Opportunity came along when an organization in IBM called Tivoli that was doing systems management acquired storage. It was kind of a backwards acquisition. We acquired Tivoli and then they said, oh, we need storage products. So I started working in the Tivoli organization and just out of interest started to learn all the different Tivoli products so I could figure out how they all needed to fit together. And then uh, we started to, over the years. We started to take some of the Tivoli offerings that we had and make them available in SaaS through something called Service Engage. And that was my first introduction really into making things work in cloud. And from that, I transitioned into doing more and more work with our products in cloud or cloud native type of architectures. So I started taking some of the traditional Tivoli offerings and working with the teams on containerizing those figuring out how to deploy and distribute those. But interestingly enough, at all those points in my career, both storage and Tivoli, and then as we moved into cloud, I was always involved in uh, some form of integration, not just building products from scratch, and I certainly have led teams in doing that, But how do you get these products that were developed pretty independently or acquired from other companies to actually work together? How do you develop the standards around the interfaces? How do you get their user experiences to come together? And a lot of it, um, you know, kind of culminates in what we're doing currently with our cloud packs, which gives us a platform to make this smoother and easier to bring into a more consistent state. So, you know, that's the one thing that's kind of winded the whole road of my IBM career is, is integrating products and getting them to work together.
1: All right, excellent. And and there are you made a few comments that I want to touch on a little later, but before we do that, I always kind of open up every episode with kind of what's your what's asking the guest who what's your definition of hybrid cloud. So let me do that here as well. So when you hear the term hybrid cloud and someone would ask you to give the elevator speech on what it is, what would that sound like?
0: Well, I think I think it's a continuing trend. I, I um, identify it or, or make analogies to it. Like we all started in the old days, where everybody was running on mainframes, and then these things called PCs and Intel computers and so on came along and we started distributing workload. And that workload is distributed between mainframe and distributed systems, you know, Unix systems and Linux systems and Windows systems. And um, that was kind of the boom of the whole TCP IP web boom where um, we could, through web protocols, start distributing workloads everywhere. And cloud now actually makes all of this infrastructure ubiquitous. So we're not only distributing capabilities across architectures and computers. We're actually distributing across hosting environments. So to me, a hybrid cloud is where you have an application or business process that actually has parts that are running distributed, not only, you know, on-premise distributed, but also distributed into the cloud or even across various clouds. And they're all interacting with, with each other in the context of getting some business work or business process or customer interaction. Uh, working together. Now, of course, uh, modern cloud protocols and cloud architectures have made that uh, much easier to do, but I see it as a continuous evolution. And at every step in the evolution, the importance of a particular operating system or a particular cloud, um, or even a particular location becomes abstracted away. So we have this fabric on which all of our services are running and interacting, and now customers can make choices on placement of that capability and so on. Um, so it's a continuation, I think, but uh, cloud really, I think, accelerated uh, the ability to distribute and take workloads you know, to data or locales or countries and also be able to aggregate a lot of capabilities across these interactions in the cloud and on-prem
1: okay there's there there seems to be kind of a recurring theme there where we say hybrid cloud is not only about the ability to run in several places but also the ability to run solutions across these places right having mm-hmm. them plugged together you know and that comes back to this this notion of integration that you mentioned earlier.
0: Uh, yes, and I think that also the, the, the biggest difference that cloud has made is bringing along design patterns. Now, they existed before in the days of, say, the application server and so on, but making it easier and more ubiquitous to scale workloads, scale workloads across geographies, scale them out as, uh, um, as the amount of processing they needed to do required more resources. Um, But I think cloud actually accelerated that whole aspect of it as well. But yeah, there's always integration involved uh, in all of these things.
1: Okay, let me tie that then back to, you mentioned earlier when you did the introduction, as in it seemed like your whole professional life, you've worked on the creation of products, you know, the creation of products, integration of products, bringing them out to the market. So can can you relate the two? So products in the context of hybrid cloud, and I guess we're slowly, you know, approaching this topic of platform that we talked about and kind of how does that all come together?
0: I think we're moving from a a product-centric approach to a capability-centric approach. You know, customers have certain things that they need to do, so they need certain capabilities. And those capabilities might be packaged in various forms. Today, we package our containerized capabilities for different disciplines, for different personas, um, into what we call cloud packs. And of course, we want to integrate the interaction between these capabilities because they have affinity with each other. Um, But the products, you know, um, that go to market are called cloud packs. But oftentimes customers purchase them because they're interested in specific capabilities within those packs. Now, our cloud pack for data is really optimized for the data scientist. But there's a lot of things that go on around data science, such as data acquisition, data normalizing, data cleansing, and then being able to run machine learning models against that to be able to tune models and so on. And so even a data scientist, you know, that persona varies a little bit. Um, But our Cloud Pack for Data has 40 some odd products in it. And I've yet to meet a customer, as an example, that installs a whole cloud pack. Uh, they're individual, you know, they're interested in individual capabilities. So the ability to decompose and recompose our offerings into what the customer is looking for starts to put some interesting boundaries on what is a product versus what are composable capabilities that the customer uses to essentially create their product or their business service. So our products are currently called cloud packs, but remember, I'm an integration guy. I'm always looking at how do these things, how can they work better together? How can they become more efficient? And how can customers more easily work with them because they're sharing data or they're sharing a deployment method or they're sharing a manageability characteristic or they're sharing other assets that are common between the capabilities that each one of these offerings provides?
1: So is that where the platform comes into play where, now you said earlier, no customer wants to deploy everything under the sun, obviously. So they want to they wanna pick and choose certain capabilities that fit their whatever needs. And then the advantage of, of, like, say, the cloud pack or the way we're building this on top of a platform makes it easier to have these things integrated with each other?
0: Um yes, I think I think a consistent platform does ease in integration, but the particular platform that we're working on now also abstracts other things away that makes it easier for the customer to get, you know, some important values out of the platform that go uh, above and beyond, you know, what we have been seeing in terms of what customers had to traditionally do. So, by running on the platform, our capabilities automatically inherit automatic workload placement, load balancing, scaling, user management, and security you know, controls that are consistent, automated restart, things like high availability, portability. We want to be able to run on multiple clouds. Our platform runs on multiple clouds and automation that's inherent in the platform, such as, well, automating workflows or even be able to automate the deployment of the platform capabilities in this infrastructure through things like DevOps or GitOps. What that means is that there are capabilities in the platform and the services we embed in the platform that are easier for workloads to take advantage of and in integrating their capabilities together. Now it's kind of an interesting environment because containerization basically says, look, write in whatever programming language you want to, use whatever constructs you want to to create your application. So we've kind of moved away from everybody will write in Java or everybody will write in COBOL and getting integration at the technical level okay you're not written in Java oh well there's you know we can integrate you but it's a little complex and here's how you do it now we really don't care because everything is a service all the services communicate through standard HTTP HTtPS protocols and the platform is a hosting environment that gives all of the other non-functional requirements for free essentially to anything running on it if they adhere to certain standards so the platform brings with it a runtime environment and a platform is not not only involved or evolved how easy it is to integrate different capabilities together through, through modern you know cloud techniques and protocols, but has also um, evolved in terms of the uh, the functional requirements that are automatically handled by the platform. You know the scaling, the high availability, the auto restart, the workload placement, uh, the automation, and so on are now inherent in the platform. And you know a lot of customers say, well, I had this capability that I was using from IBM. Let's say it's workflow that I'm using. Business business process management. And now I want to get to the next release of business process management. Now it's containerized. And oh, what is this additional platform that comes along with it? Well, essentially, Mr. Customer, that platform actually abstracts away some of the stuff you had to do in managing your business process management. It'll automatically worry about things like high availability and scaling and failover. And it'll give you a declarative way of deploying that platform. And so it's actually abstracting away management of the platform and deployment of the application so it can run anywhere and freeing up your IT resources to be able to spend more time in the applications you're writing on top of that platform, as opposed to trying to glue all the pieces together. You know, as long as I was in integration, a lot of our integration uh, activities we unintentionally gave to our customers. Here's product A, here's product C, here's product B. Oh, they all run in VMs or they all run on Linux or they all run whatever. But the customer had to bring all the pieces together and figure Figure out how to come up with a deployment model that supported consistent scaling, consistent backup, consistent um, deployment. And, oh, HA, wow, we have another product for HA that now you have to go integrate. So we gave our customer a lot of very good capabilities, but we also gave them a lot of integration challenges. And I think running on a platform that is consistent, consistent in architecture, and I think Jerry talked about the consistency of the architecture in terms of its declarative nature, and it's kind of a programmable infrastructure as, as a platform, Kubernetes and OpenShift, which even adds additional capabilities on top of Kubernetes, that abstracts away a lot of the integration work that customers needed to do. So the ability to run uh, for have everything running on the platform inherently gives a customer savings in terms of deployment and management. And we're doing so work now on actually even automating, better automating the deployment of our infrastructure or services that customers can run applications on in the form of GitOps. So that customers can declare their environment once we automate the deployment of that environment. It's repeatable. They can do it over and over again, and they'll always get the same thing they defined. It's governed through software, normal software uh, change control, uh, pull requests, uh, merges, uh, things like that. And it can also be used across environments, consistent development in the development environment for the next release. You can take that that managed artifact that you've managed through GitOps, deploy it now into test and then into QA and promote it just like you would uh, the application code that it's supporting. So I think there's a lot to the platform in terms of making a lot of the tasks that we gave to our customers and to ourselves more automated and more consistent. Doesn't mean integration goes away, but it certainly makes it easier.
1: Okay. You mentioned a, a couple of examples that are fairly operational in nature, I would say. So when we when it goes to the resilience and the scalability of a solution, for example. Now, the services running in any cloud by any cloud provider will, will claim a lot of the same, right? So the, the question about it, it is scoped to that particular cloud environment and the mechanisms that you have available there. So bringing in a hybrid cloud platform, bringing in something that you know allows me to plug all these various places together, does that mean that the platform now sits on top of the operation capabilities that the individual cloud provider? Or how do you how do you integrate that, or do you simply replace it?
0: Well, I think that it, it depends on, on the particular technology we're talking about or the hosting platform. But OpenShift, as an example, runs on top of uh, just about every major cloud that there is out there and leverages cloud capabilities for things like monitoring, storage, networking. Yeah, But it is a portable layer across the different clouds, just like in the, in the traditional days. We could make all our products run in a portable way by running writing them in Java and then running them on different operating systems. Now we have this portable layer that has kind of it, a lower layer where we can make our applications deployable in any cloud on any infrastructure, both on prem and in the cloud. Yet, that layer, when it's running in that particular environment, will take advantage of the cloud services underneath. So, taking advantage of the monitoring and logging that's inherent in a particular cloud offloads that need in our layer, but we make sure that we can do that integration. And a lot of customers have said, as an example, when I'm running in this cloud, I want my users to be identified as users of this cloud. Even though they're using your application. So that when you ask for resources, we know who actually asked for them. It's not being abstracted away. So we do that integration layer between the platform and the cloud or the hypervisor and whatever we're running on, but it's not where we spend most of our time. And and OpenShift provides that capability for us. So we can spend more of our time on the capabilities that customers really want when they're writing their applications. You know, the cloud has made getting a machine and getting an operating system kind of ubiquitous. And the containerized environment, being able to run in a cloud environment that scales and has all the properties I talked about, clouds have made that ubiquitous to a certain extent because there are differences, like you said, in the underlying cloud services in different clouds. And by us having this layer on top of the clouds where we can basically develop it once, run it where it matters or run it everywhere that the customer wants to run it. Clouds are on-prem. It is a layer that kind of normalizes the differences between the clouds. So it's another layer providing the availability we need, you know, really to make it truly hybrid. You want to give the customer the ability to say, "Hey, I have this capability that I'm using, but I think it makes more sense today to run it on this cloud or to run it on-prem. Um, I think Shriar pointed out how some customers like highly secure, highly sensitive data workloads to work, you know, to run on-premise. Yet we have other customers that are taking some of their workloads that have been traditionally on-premise and moving them in the clouds uh, because they want to take advantage of the economies of scale and the pricing and so on of the clouds. Well, written on top of our platform, those capabilities would be more easy. It would be much more easy to move for the customer than uh, you know a detailed rewrite that they might have to do in moving had they kind of coded to a particular cloud vendor's platform or to some sort of on-prem platform that wasn't portable.
1: Okay. We talked a lot about you know, how enterprises slash customers would benefit from this platform, right? But let's talk a bit about what's in it for us. Uh, IBM obviously is a very large software development organization, and so are many of our customers. And talk a bit about maybe about the value of having an architecture that everyone plugs into and having a platform and an implementation that everyone plugs into. I said earlier that we work together on a daily basis, so I know that you spend a lot of your time and energy on getting the various capabilities to plug into that platform and leverage it and not try to basically solve every problem by themselves.
0: That's a good point. I think I think that when when products, uh, you know, the traditional products that I used to try to integrate and in, in even the products that were integrating in the cloud, when they're built, they're kind of built to stand alone. You know, I can do, I can solve every aspect of this problem myself. And so I have capabilities in there that install, you know, that solves every particular aspect of this problem myself. But when you start to bring those capabilities together, you really need to share more information and you need to be consistent in terms of how you're deployed and how you're managed and how you scale and so on in the eyes of the customer. And so, we have started to provide services and architectures that deliver consistency across our products in order to do that. So as an example, take Cloud for data. They have this notion of a project and you can have a data scientist working on a project and various other people working on the project and its particular machine learning model. And there might be assets involved with that machine learning model, like the data schema and where the data sets are and how to access them, what kinds of connections you need. You kind of put all together in, in order to make the model work. And those can be Shared now across, you know, um, oh, I don't know, data cleansing capabilities that actually create the data, uh, data catalogs that actually map the data and create the description of the artifacts and in the machine learning models. And they can all be shared in, in say, one logical container so that anybody who wants to work on this project can use any of those tools and they have access essentially to the shared information about the data that you're trying to perform analytics on. We do something similar in integration in surfacing reusable widgets that can be used to define APIs or integrations to things like App Connect Enterprise or API Connect. So we're sharing some of that information and in those assets across different capabilities that customers might purchase. And so that makes it easier for customers to reuse the effort that they put into Defining APIs, purifying data, writing models, and so on in their day to day life. So, we are creating services that are purposely built to share information across the capabilities that are actually put in the platform. And at the end of the day, that means that we're writing capabilities that aren't duplicated in every product. Now, a customer doesn't really care. What they care about is that they see consistency in how they actually access information that was created in capability A and use it in capability B in a very consistent way and how they how they govern teams around the collaboration of their application artifacts that they're building okay so there's a lot of sharing that goes on in a platform but we have to be diligent in how we build out our shared services to make it easy for our different capabilities to share that
1: information and see it seems like some some things will never go away like we're still catching ourselves arguing over where to store data, right? What is the best database? Which database serves our purposes best? And do we need to have multiples and uh, and so forth? It seems like we've been we've been having that debate for for decades now, and it's it's still around.
0: Uh, yeah, it is. I think even the selection of specific services that we choose for sharing probably same thing customers go through when they're writing their applications. What database do I use? What information bus do I use? What technology do I use underneath that? But I think as a team, we choose and look for the best examples that we have across our products and then try to make that consistent across all of them. And, and the benefit there is they're all running on the same platform. So if we find a particular service that's running on the platform that has served, um, say the cloud pack for data capabilities really well, well, that service is already available on the platform, other cloud packs can take advantages of it, if we make it more more openly available to them, yes, they maybe need to change a few of the things that they do in using their own embedded service that essentially did the same thing. But again, the benefit is, well, a smaller footprint, but that that the more important part is more consistency to the customer. The, the less need to actually copy data back and forth and more shared information and shared behavior. So I think the customer benefits from the integration that we do on the platform and the platform itself and the ability to share services on the platform Ultimately, it makes that easier for us when we provide our capabilities to the customer, too. So I think the platform has a lot of benefits and it makes integration easier and allows us to focus more on some of the higher level services that I've kind of just discussed, you know, sharing projects, sharing events, sharing notebooks, sharing API definitions, you know, for developers are developing across different capabilities. It makes it easier for us to focus on those real assets that make it easier for developers to share that information. In my previous jobs at integration, we were at lower levels in the stack, just trying to share things that our platform currently makes ubiquitous. And so we can now focus on those shared things that make more difference to our customers.
1: And, you know, I keep thinking, you know, what, what is there today with cloud that that we didn't have before? And you just touched on, you know, there's, there's modern technologies and protocols and APIs that simply weren't there. But I feel like one fundamental aspect of all of this is that we're having everything software defined now. We have software defined networking, we have software defined storage, we have software defined infrastructure. And that makes it possible to ride these things against a software API that then you can take to multiple places, which, which then makes it truly hybrid. But anyway, the, the one thing I, I wanted to ask is, is kind of more on the personal nature. Is, and I, it, It's a question I ask a lot of my guests is to say, what well, what makes you excited about what we're doing right now? What you're doing right now? M- what makes you where you can't wait to uh, get out of bed in the morning and get to work?
0: Well, I mean, inherently, I'm a problem solver. I like tackling difficult problems. And I like learning new things, and there's a lot of learning as as these platforms are evolving, as customers are using them, and I see customers, you know, using things in different ways to solve problems, and or they're they're having a particular difficulty that I think we can solve, or that I have a team, or we have teams that can solve in unique ways. So it's it's really the problem solving and the coming up with innovative solutions that that you know wakes me up in the morning. Hey, have we thought of this? Have we thought of that? Maybe if we tried this. With with this customer would better meet their needs. Or maybe if we did this internally, we could become more efficient. Those bits of excitement have been with me my whole career. And I've just been very fortunate and grateful to work for a company that has the breadth of technology and offerings and customers that just always keep the interesting problems
1: coming. Okay, And and by the way, to share, I don't know if it's a secret with with the audience, Mike is one of those people who gets up way too early in the morning. And (laughs) I still, I have no idea when he actually sleeps and so, I guess it just shows, you know, passion for the for the for the job.
0: Yes, time zone challenge. I I, I like to be available for the teams or the customers at, at the times that they're available. So I think I think we all adjust as a worldwide company a bit in order to meet those needs. All
1: right. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. That leaves me with uh, thanking you for coming, Mike. It was a pleasure talking to you as always. Likewise, thank you, Andrew. All right, and with that, we'll wrap up this episode. I want to thank you all for listening and hope to see you. Awesome.